You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Back with you to discuss our Minnesota Wild, who are in absolute shambles right now. There's a ton of topics to get to, but it's been you know a week or two here since we've been on, uh, just because their schedule decided to uh, play Wednesday games and really mess us up. So we're back now. Uh, we got to check in, you know, Justin. It's been you know I think the last time we were together was with the guys at the Soda Pod. So uh, since then, how you been? Been good. Uh, busy, of course. Hockey season for my kids is less than a month left. Uh, all their outdoor hockey has been canceled because this winter has been just so funky with rain and, and warm weather. But uh, they still got uh, three weekends left of hockey with their jamboree. And, uh, of course, they got spring hockey coming up too. But it's crazy how fast this this season has gone. And, you know, just doing well, working, bringing the kids their, their activities and just watching the wild. Nice. That's my life. <laughs> Zeke, what about you? <laughs> Yeah, not much different, you know, aside from everybody else. Just been, uh, you know, working a lot and like just coming home, uh, watching hockey at night when I got my free time. Uh, you know, last night, even, you know, it's, I know this is something probably people already do, but, you know, if you're ever looking for uh, cheaper tickets to games, uh, it's a very good idea to go on there and check like two or three hours before the game, even. And that's uh, exclusively and really, how I buy tickets. Yes. Because last. Into- I go into yeah. tick pick at like four thirty five o'clock. I know it's. Uh, I mean, I think part of it's probably last night. People don't want to go to the game at eight yep. thirty or nine at night, but yeah. and it's a lot more common the... like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, and then the rare yeah, Monday game be. that they play. But you can usually like depending on the opponent, like if mm-hmm. it'll usually be pretty cheap. Yeah, I think last night at one point I saw them for like nineteen bucks. On yeah, the I got twice got... in the upper level. Yeah, I got four upper level sides for like twenty bucks each. It's only yeah. fifteen dollars fees. Wow. So. Yeah. If you're gonna, you know, just just some advice. Uh, despite the loss, if you get in there for hundred bucks, four people, or you know, can't beat getting to watch, you know, NHL hockey despite the lack of goals for <laughs> right, know, right, an hour's worth right. of pay. Yeah. So there's your pro advice. If you want to go watch this team score like two goals um, and yeah. probably give up four and lose, you can do it for like twenty bucks if you buy tickets uh, game day. Uh, not a paid ad. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, before yeah. we get into the wild, uh, the Minnesota wild, we'll talk a little bit of prospect stuff. Cause that's probably going to be the peak of this show in terms of positive news, um, <laughs> before we uh, get into the bad stuff. So Justin, we'll kick it to you to start us off on the right foot before this goes South quickly. Uh, to be honest with you, the prospect news is uh, there's uh, some good, some bad, it's kind of a mix. Um, I kind of, I'll start with Iowa, uh, after getting points in 14 straight, they've lost three in a row. And really, they've lost five in a row, but they've gotten points in two of them. So they're kind of in a little bit of a, a tough stretch. Um, they'll play tomorrow night again. Uh, hopefully, they can right the path again. 
one player that's been stellar is Adam Beckman. Had a hat trick a couple games ago, four game, four goals the last two games, and there's rumors of a call up. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later, but um, yeah, uh, he's kind of been their their hot player right now, along with of course Wallstead. But uh, yeah, hopefully they can write the ship starting tomorrow night again. And I'll, I'll move on to the KHL. Uh, Daniela Yerov, he continues to be the extra forward. Last game, he got like two minutes of time on ice. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty frustrating considering his, his talent level and what we think it is. But the good news is there's only five games left in their season plus the playoffs. So hopefully this is a sign that he's not signing there and he's going to come over here. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens season's end. But uh, I have to think that he wants to get playing time. Um, Murat who's Nadinov he hasn't played in a couple games uh, I haven't seen any news of an injury uh, of course their playoffs start soon so I'm kind of keeping an eye out I don't know if he's injured or if they're just resting him for the before the playoffs um, but yeah he, he's playing really well up until then but hasn't played in two or three games now so uh, there's that and then Vladislav first off continues to play well four assists in his last four games up 22 points in 42 games um, I don't really think he's coming back to us but could be a good trade chip I mean he's our prospect till he's not but uh, it's good to see him play well maybe uh, maybe he does come back but uh, if not maybe he, he gives us gets us something in return something decent in return kind of like a McBain type thing and then uh, Carson Lambos he's been pretty hot lately 11 points in his last 10 games he's pretty close back up to a point per game um, of course his I think his team clinched the playoffs last game or, or they're about to and then uh, Brock Faber he's week to week with an upper body injury the good news is he should be ready by the time the big games start the playoffs and all that and, and uh, by the time the wild are able to sign him so uh, stinks that he's hurt but good that it's uh, not uh, going to affect the big games then uh, the last prospect I'll touch on is Hunter Hate. Had a two-point night yesterday. <clears throat> um, did pretty well in the face-off circle. He's up to 41 points in 47 games after his rough start when he was with Barry. But uh, caught fire with Saginaw. Kind of slowed down a little bit, but uh, having a good season overall. That's all I got. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaways there, um, you know, I have a little bit of a rut which I think now that they're in that rut, now maybe you can feel like maybe you can dip into that lineup again. Maybe you can inject some life into him with a Sam Steele, um, potentially, you know. Um, and then I think also like the who's a Dinoff, hopefully we get some clarity on that because he was on an absolute tear, yeah. Um, like scoring points left and right. Like this is pretty recently he had like the, was it like a five or six point game or something, I think? Yeah. Like yeah he, he, it was like coming right out of our episode. We ranked him like four. Um, I think he had right. like a six point game or something. Um, well, and he's uh, one point from touching 40 points, which Kaprizov did it in less games in his 20-year-old season, but the fact that he's in a company like him and, yeah. and other yeah. players like Kuznetsov and stuff is uh, a right. pretty, pretty good sign, I think. Yeah, so just interesting there. Those are kind of my big two takeaways, and obviously the Faber injury. Um, you got to hope he comes mm-hmm. back, you know, hopefully the same player and, you know, no ailments because – you know, I think regardless of kind of where this team is, you know, once he's ready, I think, uh, you know, given what we've seen out of this wild blue line, I think he'll get a fair chance to, to play some games, whether it's for John Merrill, whether it's for Kellen Addison, whether it's for Matt Dumba, Alex Goligoski, whoever. Um, I think he'll have a chance to play here. 
uh, yeah. no matter what. So uh, let's get into the mess that is the Minnesota Wild. I believe, you know, we, we haven't had a show here since the All-Star break, uh, but not a lot of highlights to discuss. Since then, a 3-2 loss to the Coyotes, a 4-1 loss to the Stars, a 5-1 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, a 3-2 shootout win over the Devils, a 2-1 shootout loss to the Panthers, and then just a back-breaking 3-2 loss to the Colorado Avalanche uh, last night. Uh, and I think, you know, the most damning part about that stretch, maybe two decently played games um, last night against Colorado and then, of course, the win against New Jersey. Um, the Florida game wasn't terrible. I think that game was more peaks and valleys. But, you know, you look at the three games mm-hmm. before that New Jersey one, bad effort in Arizona pretty bad effort against Dallas, horrendous effort against Vegas. Um, you know, not a lot of positives to pull away, you know, other than maybe yeah, it's good to see at least Kaprizov and Jewel Eric Sinek and Brodine and Spurgeon still care and Gustafson. As for the rest of the team, who knows? Um, you know, this team just, they're at a crossroads right now with, with kind of where to go from here. They, I believe, are on the outside of the playoffs looking in right now, unless that's mm-hmm. changed. Yeah, um, yeah, but let me just pull it up. Yeah, they are currently well. They're tied with Calgary. Um, <clears throat> same amount of games, same amount of points, same points percentage. Um, but I don't know. Calgary apparently has the tiebreaker. I'm not sure what that is. It might be head to head. Um, after that, but yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and then they are now five points behind Edmonton with a game in hand and two points behind the abs now with one fewer game. So, uh, slipping away quick Nashville on their heels too. If they were to win their, uh, next three games that they have in hand, they'd be one point ahead of the wild. Um, so they're in dire straits right now. And I think if if anything that the stretch has shown us is I think they are far more than, than one addition away from figuring this out. They just cannot score. Um, and I think that's kind of where we'll start this conversation. If you've been following me on Twitter, uh, you've seen this this ongoing tweet. But since January 12th, uh, the 5v5 goals per game for this team, 1-1-3-1-0-0-1-1-2-0-0-1-1-1. So if you go into the last, see, 1 2 The last 11 games, they have... Eight five on five goals, um, and have scored more than one five v five goal once against the lowly Coyotes in a game that they lost anyway. Um, they've tr- we've seen some lines being shuffled, but you know it just yeah. doesn't feel like unless Kirill Kaprizov is on the ice right now, um, as good as Jewel Eriksonek is playing, and you know maybe some sort of spark that Matt Boldy's gotten from that, it just doesn't feel like anyone else has a chance to score right now. Um, the blue line continues to be a mess. Now Marcus Foligno was hurt. You have, you know, Sam Steele falling off of a cliff. There just doesn't seem any hope. Like, it doesn't feel like if they traded for a Brock Besser or Patrick Kane, that honestly would make that much of a difference because they are just, I mean, the expected goals are there, but this team just, they cannot finish, whether it's missing nets, Mm -hmm. um, looking at you, Matt Boldy, if it's hitting posts, if it's shooting shots into shin pads, Last night against the Avs, I think they had 80-some attempts and only 12 of them ended up being like a high-danger chance. It's just very perimeter. They're just knocking into the middle. It's, it's, it's just it's hard, been hard to watch. And it's, you know, it's, you know, I guess the, it's not really a good thing, but, I mean, obviously even key representative of it is last night. It's not a lack of effort. I mean, a lot of these guys in the team, you know, especially in the bottom six, a lot of them are good, solid players, you know, they're, 
you know, the, the, the nice guy tries hard, loves the game thing, but, you know, they don't really have much talent uh, or ability to score. I mean, you even have some guys on the team, you know, playing, even if it's just eight, seven, eight, nine minutes a night who, you know, don't really do anything out there. And it's, yeah, no, it's, it's not, uh, it's, there's not really any way to fix it, obviously, uh, even if you did, you know, well, I mean, maybe that's a bit of absurd to say if you put Connor McDavid on the team that they wouldn't be better, they would. But, you know, even, you know, like Brett said, there's not really any one player that you could uh, get that would really fix that. And even if you could, obviously, they can't afford any of those players. So it's just kind of a, you know, I guess we kind of knew this was probably going to be the case here the next three years. So just working with your hat with what you have and trying your best to stay afloat and be competitive. But you know, the, at this point, it's, you know, it's the, uh, it's not that that's maybe frustrating. It's more the lack of, as a lot of people have talked about, of trying to change that or being willing to do something new with, uh, as Justin mentioned, with potential call-ups earlier, things like that, that could, you know, in, in, like what they've been doing now is just kind of throwing out the same guys. And, you know, it's obviously not worked and they have just, you know, seemingly, stayed pat and you know like Dean Evison said oh we're playing great getting a lot of chances but you know like you mentioned Brett they really aren't getting that many chances so I think that's the most frustrating thing is that they just don't seem really at least willing or don't know how to try something else yeah it's also frustrating I feel like yeah Kalen Addison hasn't been good defensively but I feel like there's maybe scratching players at weird times um i mean to multitude what brett was talking about uh, we have not gotten a goal from anyone outside of zuccarell hartman baldy caprice Albert eck in the past 12 yeah, games and hartman's like, uh, no and hartman's <laughs> went off his elbow so yeah i mean if right. you know, <laughs> and maybe counts. two dog goals they've scored but that that doesn't really help us <laughs> in regulation um and, and to combine um you know, add to it in the past six games for or three for seventeen on the power play. So we're not even really getting power play goals. We're not getting five on five goals. We're literally just like spinning our tires. Like mentioned Brett, it's all been perimeter. It's 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 been super frustrating to watch. It seems like when we get down by even last night two goals, it's like, all right, game's over. Like unless these guys can figure out how to score again, this is it. Like it's mm. just super frustrating to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go last night, obviously, and uh, it seemed like a typical wild game where they outplay you know, the team the entire first half of the period. You know, they have like two shots to 15, and then you know, there's one chance, you know, it's in the back of your net. It's just kind of a, you know, it's just kind of like last year where everything went right and everyone was having careers and great. It's basically, with a few exceptions, kind of the opposite this year where, you know, maybe one or two things are going right, but, you know, there's 17 other things going wrong in terms of players and uh, it, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. I think here's the thing that sucks is I think like myself included, this podcast podcast included analytics experts included knew that the wild weren't going to score and be like the third highest scoring team in the league or second Mm -hmm. highest, whatever they were at five on five last year, like regression to the mean was coming, but the wild have regressed so far past the mean they're now at the other end of the spectrum. Like, this drop-off is something that it doesn't happen very often. Like, no. deep inside, and I, I think that's kind of what Dean Evison's trying to get at, is, like, we're doing the right things, the goals are going to come. But I think part of this at some point gets so mental, right? You know, we're seeing it's either guys, you know, it's guys over... Yeah. yeah, like, just overthinking what to do in the offensive zone. Like, 
ah, this chance doesn't feel good enough. I'm not going to shoot it, so I'm going to pass. And the flip side of like, ah, I just need to shoot, but I've got three shin pads in front of me, and I've got a guy wide open, right? It's just these guys are overthinking. These are talented players who we've seen. You know, Joel Erickson X is going to be a th- regardless of probably what happens the rest of this year, is probably going to be a 30-goal scorer. Matt Boldy should probably be a perennial 30-goal scorer. Kroka Kaprizov's a 50-goal scorer. Matt Zuccarello's on pace for career high in goals despite the wild scoring drought this year. Like, they have guys that can score. Um, you know, it's just, it's not coming, and I think so much of it is mental right now. Um, I, I do like, you know, something I've been wanting was to get Matt Boldy and Jewel Erickson Eck together. Um, at five on five, unfortunately, since they've made that change, we haven't got to see a lot of five on five out of them. Um, the Florida game was riddled, I believe, seven minor penalties for the Wild. I think Florida took five or six. Five, like, yeah, yeah, like half of that game was played, you know, on special teams. Um, and it's just hard to get any sort of rhythm going. Like, yeah, they might get the rare shift in between, but you know, how many of these times it's like, okay, they got one good shift, you throw them back out there again, you know, you take the one line back out there, get them back out there again. We haven't seen the wild being able to establish, you know, consistent five on five. And a big part of that is their own fault. Cause they can't stay out of the freaking penalty box. Um, that game against Florida on Monday, I thought at five on five, they clearly looked like the better team. And then all of a sudden they just start mm-hmm. parading to the penalty box, rip out all the momentum. And then they obviously, they, they can't win the game in overtime where they had the better of all the chances as well. I don't like, I don't really even recall one Florida chance. They even made me hold my breath in that overtime, but again, just couldn't finish. You know, Jared Spurgeon had a chance on the doorstep and, you know, with five seconds left on the clock and still, you know, Bobrovsky's able to save it and they can't finish it off in the shootout. So it's just so many of those little things that just, it keeps adding up. It's the inability to score at five and five. It's now the power play falling off of a cliff. It's, you know, it's the penalties. It's Marc-Andre Fleury in a game the Wild finally dominated start to finish, gives up two goals on two shots to erase you know, a, a comeback that the Wild are mounting. You know, it's mm-hmm. just all these little things that just seem to add up at the worst possible times. And now it's put this put the Wild at an impasse where they go, well, now what the fuck do we do? Um, you know, we had all this money. We wanted to go for it. But, you know, as we talked about off the top of the show, we're not one player away anymore. How much of your future do you want to leverage to, at this point, make the playoffs to become a contender? Um, I think they're three pieces away. You need two top six forwards probably one of those being a center and you probably mm-hmm. need a top four d too how many assets are you want to give up to become a contender are you going to make three big trades of the deadline i don't think so so then it's okay now what do we do do we start selling off assets? do we call up young guys you know it's it's hard to know what to do at this point i'm glad i'm not billy Guerin because it's a really tough decision at this point to you know potentially throw in the towel for for lack of a better term mm-hmm. yeah i, I- Sorry. Uh, I, I'll always root to win, and I, it's you know it's tough mm-hmm. to watch all this losing lately. We haven't won a game of regulation in like a month, but uh, you know mentally, I think coming out of Cap Hell, we're gonna be in a lot better situation. Not to jump too far ahead, but uh, I personally think with how things are going, I mean, maybe use the cap to take crap contracts and get some assets. Uh, keep building towards that future as much as I want to win now. It's, 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 it's hard to see them winning now. I mean, of course we all want them to, but um, the way the past month has gone and, and just more recently, it's, it's hard to see them be buyers right now. Well, yeah, no, it's the, and you don't know if they should necessarily be sellers either. Cause you know what they, you know, you can sell off, you know, trim off the extra fat, like, you know, potentially the green waves, the dumbos, but those aren't guys obviously that you're getting anything for. That's just, trying to clear space and, you know, potentially like everyone's talked about, 
give a younger guy an opportunity. But, you know, there's not, aside from that, I mean, if you got potentially Freddie Goudreau, a guy like that could maybe be of interest to a contender, but there's not a ton necessary that you can sell. And I don't think it necessarily makes sense to sell either because of the spot they're in. But, you know, like, like Justin mentioned, you know, Bruce has started to talk about that, potentially leveraging the cap space in another way could be good. Uh, you know, I, it might just be prudent to do nothing. And, I, you know, I'm kind of with you, Justin. It's every night that, I, you know, you get frustrated after the game. You know, it's disappointing loss. Uh, you know, it's it, it's hard to be patient like this. You know, it's it sucks. But, I mean, we've talked about it. That's that's just reality of their situation with salary cap. And, you know, it's, you know, it, it, obviously we, you want to win every year. You want to win the Stanley Cup every year. But, you know, in all honesty, I guess if we to expect them to be that great uh, this year is, you know, not that anyone really did, is probably a little ill-sighted. And, you know, like you mentioned, the real test, like you said, Justin, is three years from now when they have the full space, the full opportunity to actually, you know, improve their team. Because like we've heard this year, you know, we're talking about adding guys. You know, if they had some of that cap space, you know, left over, like, wouldn't be surprised if Brock Besser's on this team if he's not getting paid six and a half million dollars and they don't have, you know, twelve million dollars of cap space. Like, you know, they'd they'd be able to go out and fix that. But you know, right now it's just uh, it's just building the team and you know as we've seen in the past, quick fixes don't work. It don't really work all the time. You know, they could maybe boost. You know, some people in this fan base have argued that you know if you can get some sort of offensive upgrade. It could at least improve your chances of maybe winning a round. But, you know, as, as, as Brett is mentioning, is that really worth potentially giving yourself a shot to win a round if, you know, your first-round pick and Carson Lambos goes out the door for a guy you'll have for two months? Almost certainly not, unless, you know, you, some sort of miracle happens. And you shouldn't really be betting on miracles at this point. Yeah, and the other big piece for me is, you know, we hear a lot of this, well, we're trying to win stuff from Evison and Garen. Like, I want to believe it, but, you know, then you see things like Kalen Addison getting pulled out of the lineup, you know, and it has his defense been bad? Sure, I guess so. But you look at the one area your team has scored. If you go back to, um, let's see, I'll pick, a, I'll pick a date here. If we go back to... Let's go January 14th. So one day before I listed that, that 5v5 goal stretch, they had a power play goal in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 of those 13 games. Um, and Kellen Addison, I'd be willing to bet assisted on probably at least half of those. Like, that was the one way you were finding a way to score, and now you just remove one of the key pieces of that from your lineup. Obviously, they get the power play goal last night. Um, regardless of that, but, like, Okay, Kalen Addison's been defensively deficient, sure, but so the fuck has Matt Dumba. So has we talked about this in a previous show. John Merrill has been horrendous defensively. They're on the same pair. They have a similar plus minus, but why? Is it because John Merrill's a veteran? Is it because he's four inches taller? Like why doesn't he get that same discipline? Um, you know, we're seeing, Justin, you talked about this at the top. Adam Beckman is on fire right now in the AHL. He's got nine goals in his past 16 games. He's a plus nine in that span. Marco Rossi is putting up points left and right. Like, you have these guys in Iowa who are bringing offense, yet you're continuing to roll out Sam Steele, who's dropped off the face of the earth. Jordan Greenway is invisible on the ice right now. 
Um, Freddie Goudreau hasn't done anything, not that he deserves a scratch, but Ryan Reeves has become completely ineffective. Like, you can't tell me you're trying to fix these things and then reflect that with actions that don't back that up. Um, and on top of that, too, I think the decision to go back to Marc-Andre Fleury last night, he gets shredded against Vegas. You come back twice with Philip Gustafson, he gets you a win against New Jersey and almost steals one against the Panthers. And then in arguably your most important game of the season to date, instead of going back to the guy that just got you three points in his last two starts, you throw in the guy who just gave up five goals. And what does he do? He gives up three goals on nine shots, including twice um, on two shots within 14 minutes of each other that ultimately lost you the game. Um, and this isn't me going flurry bad, Gustafson good, right? This is you at this point in the season, you got to ride the hot hand and the hot hand right now is Gustafson. These are must win games for you. And if it means winning a game two to one, and that means you got to start Gustafson, you got to do it. So I'm just a little skeptical of them saying, oh, we're doing, we're doing everything in our power to like win these games. When, if you were Adam Beckman or Sammy Walker or Marco Rossi, one, if not all three of them freaking at this point, would be in your lineup. Philip Gustafson would be in the net every night. John Merrill or Matt Dumba would be coming out of the lineup. Greenway, Reeves would be coming out of the lineup. Sam Steele coming out of the lineup. None of that stuff is happening, so I have a hard time believing that they're really backing up what they're saying. Um, it's, th- that, to me, is just what's been the most frustrating part of this stretch. Is th- There are fixes that they just seem to be completely ignoring for one reason or the other. Well, I yeah. think, you know, with the, sorry, just I think no, the younger, with the younger guys like the Rossies and the Beckmans and Sammy Walkers and stuff, I think, you know, it's fine if, for example, they generally don't think that those guys are ready to play significant roles and be in the NHL consistently this year. You know, obviously they know more than us, so I, I wouldn't necessarily hold on against them. But, you know, like Brett said, you know, then the other decision making, it doesn't really make sense. So you're saying that Ryan Reeves is a better option or, you know, or he's and you're saying that he's even a better option than like a Mason Shaw or somebody up in the NHL who even if they're not going to, you know, even if these rookies don't come up and score necessarily, uh, you know, they yeah, at least they'll do something. And we saw Adam Beckman earlier this year with his, you know, trademark energy doing, you know, creating some offense, you know, even if he's not the greatest skater, he provided a little bit of life. So I, I guess on that front, I'm, it's, it's fine if they want to keep some of those guys there. But, you know, like you said, I think maybe that's more potentially a coach thing. Like, I think uh, Garen, despite, you know, he's competitive by nature. I think he, I mean, this has been their plan ever since they made those two buyouts. I got to imagine, you know, like with you're saying, Brett, if they don't legitimately think that they can win and, and truly aren't trying to, I I would think he knows that and is purposely by I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's stupid. I mean, they put together his team, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's weird that, you know, because here's my thing at this point. Those guys can't come in and make the lineup any worse. Yep. Right. I was going to say that. There's literally five guys that have scored total in right. the last 12 games. Like, these guys couldn't do any worse than like, what, like what the rest Adam Beckman could come in next game, score a goal, and he has as many goals as the bottom six combined in the last month. <laughs> like, <laughs> why not give it a freaking shot? Right, and it sounds like it might be happening. So maybe we can go there next. We can talk a little positive, but Justin, as you mentioned on the in the prospect update, um, Joe Smith of the Athletic reporting um, nothing official yet, but he suspects Adam Beckman will be recalled. Um, I would assume that they are do the smart thing and put him with with Boldy and Eric Sinek on that second line. Um, because it would make no sense to bring up a guy who has nine goals and then say you're going to play a identity role instead. Didn't like, they play together earlier this year, too, a few games? Uh, I think yeah, they might have in the did. preseason, at least. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, but, you know, I have some stats in front of me. Boldy and Eck together, 58% expected goal share. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two guys that can shoot, that can pass, can establish a forecheck. Adam Beckman in the AHL right now has 60 shots in his last 16 games played. That's 3.75 a game. There's been nights where he's had four, five, six, seven, eight shots on goal. Um, this is a guy who's feeling good right now. Justin, as you mentioned, four in his last two games, including a hat trick two games ago. Like, he's feeling good. Call him up. Give him a yeah. chance. And then most importantly, put him in a position to succeed, right? The right. second power play unit is lifeless. Get a shooter on there. Frick, put Adam Beckman out there. Give him a chance mm-hmm. to shoot. Um, who knows? Like, like, I just go back to the point of it can't get any worse than what they're doing right now. You have less than a goal a game at 5-on-5. Five five. I don't know the last time the second unit scored a power play goal. Um, Sam Steele isn't cutting it, and neither is the rest of the bottom six. So just give that guy a chance. If it doesn't work, you send him back down, and really nothing changed in the end. But well, like somebody said to you, Brett, in your replies like a week ago, they you know they talk. You guys were talking about Rossi. I think he said, I mean, essentially said what you said that if Marco comes up and sucks at faceoffs and doesn't score, then as you just said, he's basically Sam Steele. So. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? That's that's a really good but, point. Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I've actually, like I mentioned, like I think it was last show. I'm paid for to watch the Iowa for the rest of the season and <clears throat> Beck I've watched all their games recently and and Beckman is looking really good you know bringing that energy um their best offensive player right now mm-hmm. uh, just of course he had the hat trick the other night gave him the chance to you know come back and try and win of course they end up losing but I know he he's playing his butt off down there right now and, and I, I feel like his skating is not even that bad anymore I mean it's not stellar but it's improved, and uh, of course, we all know he's not afraid to shoot. So, uh, yeah, give him a shot. He won't. He'll come up here, and not be afraid to shoot. And, and you know, maybe some of these guys that are, you know, passing up some of these shots, maybe he won't, and, and he can right. spark something. Yeah, and then I think too, you, you know, you, you open up your options a little bit. Now you can slide Duham down with Goudreau, um, and whether you know it's Ben Greenway on that wing for now. If you want to keep him there to continue to advertise him for the trade market. You know, at least maybe you have a little bit stronger of a third line than, you know, with Sam Steele there, who's been abysmal. Now you can, you know, or you can, you know, is it moving up a Ryan Reeves or something? You can maybe do that. Um, but then, you know, you can now you can keep Shaw and Dewar on your fourth line. Their penalty killing continues to be phenomenal. Wild have not given up a shorthanded or a, yeah, a goal shorthanded since Mason Shaw was recalled. And I think, you know, him and Connor Dewar giving you a really good second killing option has been a huge part of that. Um, not that the penalty kills, you know, necessarily been a huge problem for no. this team. Um, they've allowed just one goal in the last one, two, three, four, in the last eight games. Um, and that was with whatever it was, the seven against the Panthers. Um, but they've been far more disciplined outside of that game too. Um, just one penalty against the stars, one against Vegas, two against New Jersey, one last night against the avalanche. And then you had that, you know, one with the Panthers where they took seven, but I mean, outside of that, they've been much more disciplined. The the penalty kill's done its job. So, you know, I think if there's one area you want to look at that's good, you know, maybe try to build on that a little bit. Um, but, you know, it, for me, it's you've changed the lines. It didn't work. you got to inject life one way or another. And if you don't want to go out and spend assets, then your next best option is to dip into your guys that are playing in Iowa. You say they got to earn it. I don't know what more than nine goals in 16 games has to do to say you earned it. But to give Adam Beckman a shot, um, and like I said, if they do that, please, for the love of God, um, please put him in mm-hmm. the top six and give him a chance to actually be a shooter, be an offensive creator. 
Um, and I just think, too, that situation, you have two defensively responsible players in Eck and Boldy, too. Um, you can strategically maybe deploy that pairing with a Brodina or Spurgeon pairing as well um, to help drive that forward, maybe cover for some of those defensive deficiencies, too. So that's what I'm crossing my fingers for tomorrow. I'm hoping Adam Beckman on the second line and Philip Gustafson in net, and then maybe I'll have a little bit of hope <laughs> for a game against the Stars. But Wow. Um, We've seen how they play against Dallas this year. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> Ouch. But I think, you know, I think to kind of go back to the, you know, the goaltending thing, I think it maybe ties into what some people's, you know, frustrations been with, you know, with Evison, especially the coaching staff that, you know, their lack of being able to make decisions on the fly and make changes. Cause obviously, you know, everyone knows right now, like you said it ad nauseum, you know, this, they pretty much need to play a perfect game to win. And I mean, you can tell Fleur's a guy, obviously that you can tell when he's not, you know, on his game, obviously slamming sticks, flopping around, just cursing, you know, almost like cursed himself out. And, you know, like you mentioned, Brett, last night, the, you know, the second goal, you know, they're, they're in the second period, you know, made it two nothing, you know, I, you know, to, like you said, at that point, they had maybe yeah. six shots. Yeah, you know, and, it it was feels four, like and it was 14 minutes of wild domination, including a goal when they get it to two one. And then yeah. a dribbler from McKinnon sneaks through his five hole. And then all of that 14 minutes is just poof, gone. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just feels like a situation there. Like, you know, I guess, you know, it's not, I know he says, he said before, he doesn't like to pull up goalies, but it just feels like, you know, the situation there when it's two nothing that you got to maybe have a little better feel on the game and, you know, how you're, you know, with how good your team is playing and how much they're working their asses off, you know, that keeping in there, like Russo said uh, on Twitter last night, you just knew that there would be another backbreaker, uh, like you just said, and obviously there was. So, it, you know, it was, it's just frustrating as you know, we've talked about the whole night that uh, he doesn't – they just don't seem to be able to react in real time. They take an awfully long time to, you know, they oftentimes uh, it's just too late like it was last night. So. Yeah, and then, you know, with Gustafson too, to Flurry, like, again, this isn't to shit on Flurry. It, it's what? not a sit Flurry because he sucks. It's – play Gustafson because he's, he's been good um yeah. 12 wins and 23 starts in his losses the it's most more so been the wild failing to give him offensive support especially recently more than him surrendering a bunch of goals um among goaltenders who have at least 18 starts about a thousand minutes or more played he is second in goals against average at 2.18 he is second in save percentage at 0.926 both of those behind um, a likely Vesna contender and Linus Allmark for the Bruins. Um, he's 10th in the NHL in goal save above expected, despite only playing 23 games at 11.43. Um, if we adjust that for minutes played, that goes up to sixth, um, where he's stopping more than half a goal a game mm -hmm. above expected, um, compared to Fleury, who's allowing negative um, 0.24 goals he above expected per 60 minutes. Um, so just a difference there. You have six to 40 second, 0.75. That's nearly a full goal a game. That Gustafson is stopping, you know, in, in addition to Flurry, um, you know, Flurry averaging almost three goals against a game, save percentage just barely over ninety, um, goal save above expect in the season, negative seven point six three. Like I just don't know at what point. Yeah, did, did Flurry have a stretch where he had some good games in there? Sure, but like with Gustafson, it hasn't been a Flurry. It's been every time he's been out there, as we talked about. It's maybe been one in six, one in seven, where he maybe has an off night. But again, mm -hmm. your goalie's not going to be perfect every single night. 
but to me it just seems like the you know these things from like Zeke Hula to Flurry just gets in these funks where he just can't stop a puck and I think now it's what eight in the last two games he's allowed um and Gustafson is what two or three in his last two starts yeah. like I, at, at some point like if you really are trying to put your best team out there and give yourself a chance to win and to me too especially in a game as pivotal as last night I just I don't understand why they went back to Flurry um and I think Right now, it needs to be Philip Gustafson's net until he loses it. Right, I, I, I think it was uh, his last nine starts at home. He's like seven one and one. Yeah. So not only is he playing good in general, he's playing stellar at home. So not only would why not ride the hot hand and play the goalie that's you know winning you games at home. I mean, in, in general too. But uh, yeah, just at, like you said, at what point does he basically become the number one and? I don't dislike Flurry, but you have to ride the hot hand this time of year when you're trying to make the playoffs. We're we're sitting on the outside looking in, and uh, I think it but they're not really out well. of it. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, no, you're we're not, not out of it. it. You're, no, we're, you're, you're still right there in the wild card you, mix, right, and, exactly. You know, you got to ride the hot hand to right. get. And and Henrik know, Lundqvist back. brought this up on the TNT post game show last night. Sometimes all it takes is one playoff series win too to spark you. Like I'm not saying this mm-hmm. team is built to make a run. But all of a sudden, if you get there, you don't know what might happen. The teams you're playing right. could have a catastrophic injury, right? You, someone on your team might get hot at the right time. Like, anything can happen when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, we've seen eight seeds go all the way, teams that are written off. Like, it's not impossible, but you have to get there. And if your goal for the Wild, it, as they say, is still to get there and not to mail it in, I think top of that list for action to take is just play more Philip Gustafson. Right. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, the talk with him going on this year was, you know, being a relatively young goalie with not a ton of experience and, you know, was on a, granted was on not a great defensive team overall in Ottawa. So maybe the numbers didn't look on paper as they, they looked worse than they necessarily were. You know, the, remember the talk was pretty much, you know, hey, if he can be average, at least, you know, then they can give him 25 to 30 ish good games, you know, then they'll be good. And you think now, I mean, if he was just average and playing, you know, on pace to, you know, to play the amount of games that a backup does, I mean, they would be well, way more down the standings than they are right now. So just, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's right. probably, aside from Capri, I mean, maybe not, but aside from Caprizov, he's probably the team MVP this year, just because, like you said, the amount of games he's won them, so. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the argument until we got the softer schedule and, you know, maybe to start the season, that Early. was true. But if you look at his last five um, wins, if my Twitter loads here, I had a thread on this today. Um, and he beat Tampa with a stomach bug that caused him to throw up two yeah. seconds off the ice. Um, you know, if you look at, I believe his last five wins, one of those, yep, Zeke, as you mentioned, it's Winnipeg, Tampa Bay, New York, Washington, and the New Jersey Devils. Like, it's the furthest thing from Cupcake. And then you can throw in from early in the year, too. He beat Carolina, which is the win that really sparked this team into that really good stretch. Um, that also included another win over Winnipeg, who I believe is their second in the division right now. So, like, yeah. he's beaten Winnipeg twice. He's beaten Carolina, Tampa Bay, like... He's beaten good teams, right? Um, and then, you know, some of the losses, you know, what you know now once to Colorado, Pittsburgh, Florida, Dallas, Florida again. Um, but, you know, in, in four of his losses, the Wild have scored um, more than twice. 
Um, so the other six, they have two or fewer. So like, are those really on Philip Gustafson? No, I don't, I don't think they are when the team can't score. So I don't know what else he needs to do to earn more starts. He's beating good teams. He's, his numbers are like, no matter what stat you want to use advance or not, the only thing he isn't beating flurry in is wins. And that's basically because he has fewer games. So I, I don't know. So, so we'll see. I mean, it's, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know the dynamic, but if you're Philip Gustafson at this point too, and you are, you know, hey, I'm playing great, and then you know you're on an expiring contract too, does it get to a point where all of a sudden like, no, you didn't play me when I deserved games last year. I don't want to resign here. Yes, he's an RFA. The Wild have that control, but you know, I think that's the thing you got to consider too. Is like, you know, Fleury only has one year left in his contract, and he ain't playing more after that's done. At this point, who knows if he's even back next year. Um, so it's the, the handling of that situation, much like the Flurry talbot situation in the playoffs last year. Like it just Some of that stuff just feels like it's repeating when it comes to Nick Delorier in over Connor Dewar, and now that's turned into Ryan Reeves for Mason Shaw. We have you know the Flurry talbot um, thing. Now we have Flurry Gus. Like just so many of these themes of like, yeah, like the things that we need to change next year like just seem like they're happening all over again. Um, granted, maybe a different point in the season, but th- that's what's concerning to me is like we've seen some of this stuff happen before, and we've seen the results that it yields, and we've seen when they did those things the right way, you know how that how that changed. But yeah, so there's my rant. <laughs> Free the Gus well, bus. They did. I mean, it seemed oh, like for about a month there they were on a pretty solid, you know, switch back and forth, which is at which point they were both elite. playing well. Yeah, right? Like, they both yeah. deserve to play games. But now, you know, especially his last two games, mm-hmm. Flurry has shown he doesn't deserve to be in net right now. Yeah. Give him the cupcake that's coming up in a couple weeks. See if he can bounce back in that game. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. <sighs> All right. Um, <laughs> I guess the last piece we can talk about here, we can, you know, it feels like we talk about this every week now, but. Um, let's mm-hmm. just circle back a little bit on Kalen Addison. So we talked a little bit about, I think on a couple weeks ago, just the interesting discipline things. Um, I wanted to specifically talk about a quote um, Russo wrote in his uh, article after mm-hmm. the game last night. It's actually how we ended the article. Um, he asked Dean Evison if, if Addison is coachable um, and if he gets it. And Evison uh, responded, uh, he sat out twice now for the same thing, so we'll see. Um, and if you read kind of the Addison quotes from that as well, it didn't sound like uh, Addison really agreed with the decision. Um, and I think fair or not, like, has his defense been bad? Yeah, he's a minus 18 on the year. Analytics be damned. You've been on the ice for 18 more goals than you've been, excuse me, at least 18 fewer goals than you've been on the ice for. So, yes, mm-hmm. he's out there a lot. But, you know, to me, what's not indicative in those analytics is like okay how many of those 18 goals are because Kalen Addison made the wrong player blew the coverage you know there's four other guys on the ice when he's out there too John Merrill out there for almost damn near every one of them and we just haven't seen a lick of discipline come his way for arguably a lot of the same things um so to me that's just where I don't get it 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 just seems like he's definitely in some sort of doghouse um fair or not um, and to me, it just it kind of makes me further question that quote, especially, um, you know, his future with this organization, if he in their eyes can't figure it out. Um, the other piece that I'll add and then I'll hang up and listen here um, <laughs> is, you know, we know this team doesn't practice much. And we've seen Evison, you know, we've seen quotes like, well, we tell him to watch Spurgeon or we tell him this is what he did. But 
at some point, I think you you literally have to coach him, right? Get him on the ice, but hey, on this, let's go watch this film. Here's here's the breakdown. Let's go on the ice. Here's what you should have done instead, right? He, here's what we want to see you do, like in practice. Like a film session is great to see it, but I think like go out, practice a fundamental thing. Like, hey, we want you to gap up on this guy. Practice that gap up. Like let him try those things because I, I can't say for sure, but with the, as little as this team practices, I doubt some of those things are being gone over in his practices. But at some point, you have to coach him on those things and not just expect him from a film session to figure it out after sitting one game in the press box and tell him to watch Jared Spurgeon. Like I just don't think that's the solution, or should be the solution either. Right, and I'm I'm not obviously in the room. I'm not not seeing what they're doing in practices when they practice or how they're handling him. But <clears throat> I think I've talked about this before. Everyone learns in a different way. Maybe they're just not teaching him in the right way. Like you said, maybe they're making him watch film or from somewhere else, but maybe that's not the way he learns. Um, not making excuses, but just kind of just turn, turning wheels in my head. Um, I, I think it was kind of a weird time to do it. It was frustrating because – uh, nothing against Goligoski. I like Goligoski, but you put in a player that's rusty <clears throat> against a Colorado team that, Man. even though they're tired, are a fast team. They're a really good team, and, and yeah. you're literally hanging on to your lives right now. Yeah. And he got and absolutely cooked weird on the first, it's the first goal yeah. or the second, second goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he yeah. got absolutely cooked. <laughs> like, well, that looked familiar. Like, right. it's no different than what Aston was yeah. doing. So, And one of those guys is you know helping your power play, one of them isn't, so... Yeah, it's take away more scoring. (laughs) It's you know, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, they're not necessarily wrong when you know they say that he has had struggles at times defensively. Obviously, like I said, that's not the question. But I mean, to Brett's point earlier, talking about you know what has you know with guys like John Merrill or Matt Dumba, you know, they've had their struggles defensively, and those guys each have ten points maybe, and they don't plan the power play so. You know, I get that that's a, you know, it's a hierarchy thing in a lot of leagues in the NHL. You know, the older guy will get, you know, a lot of times the benefit of the doubt sometimes. And, you know, especially Matt Dumba being, you know, a captain of the team. But, you know, he yeah, that's just the, uh, the curious thing is the kind of double standard there that they seem to be, you know, picking on him a little bit more when it comes to scratching and sitting him on the bench more. You know, when he, even when he is playing bad, you know, as we've said, still provides way way more upside uh, on the ice and has been you know like everyone knows he's been the power play quarterback so which has been the only way they've been able to score recently unfortunately so yeah no, it's they're not necessarily wrong but it's like you said like you guys explained it's the way they're handling it so. yeah and if you want to get you know a little analytical view at Keon addison here um without addison merrill or Garlagoski on the ice the Wild have a PDO, which is basically just the on-ice mm-hmm. shooting percentage plus the uh, on-ice save percentage. Ideally, you want that number to be around 100%. Uh, without mm-hmm. those three on the ice, it is 101.9%. Um, with Kalen Addison on the ice, that plummets to 91%. Um, he's getting 85.7% saves at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, that's well below average, a couple with a 5.8% shooting percentage. Um, like, that's not all on Kalen Addison, right? That's goalies letting him down. That's line mates letting him down. Granted, you know, maybe he's on the ice. That factors into a little bit um, as well. But also, you know, if we isolate um, Kalen Addison's expected goals just by him, comes in right around 50%. Um, John Merrill, without Kalen Addison, 
um, drops down to a 38.16%. Um, and if you look at even Merrill, Merrill Ersk, um, Addison Goligoski, um, <clears throat> that jumps up a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, or plummets down to 33.9%. So, like, is all of that Kalen Addison's fault? The analytics would suggest not necessarily. Like, some of it, yeah, eventually it's going to be a little bit on him. But, again, I just think he's getting the short end of the stick. Um, and I think he has a right to be ticked at the decision. Um, again, as you guys said, like, I don't think it's because he hasn't been bad defensively. He has, but it hasn't... Um, you know, it hasn't been equal distribution on that either. But I think a lot of the same can be said with Jordan Greenway, Sam Steele, Ryan Reeves um, as well. But again, you know, unless they want to call people up, um, you know. Um, And then just to clarify call-up situations, so the Wild currently have 22 of their 23 active roster spots filled, which means they would be free to call up Adam Beckman with no other transaction necessary if they wanted to call up two players. I think a route, and there's obviously two more routes they could take. One of them would be throwing Sam Steele on waivers. I think the other would be, depending on the severity of Marcus Flindell's injury, you could move him to IR um, and free a spot up that way as well. So there's some options for things they can play with. I guess we'll kind of see, but, you know, the schedule upcoming, you know, doesn't get a whole lot easier. Um, as we mentioned, Dallas at home tomorrow night, Nashville um, on Sunday, L.A. on Tuesday um, to round out this homestand. You know, it's L.A. firmly in a playoff spot, a team looking to allegedly acquire Jacob Chikrin. Um, Nashville trying to battle their way back into playoff spot. Then you get, then you have Columbus twice in four days with Toronto sandwiched in between, and then you have the Islanders again. So, I mean, your winnable games maybe in there at Columbus, um, but you know when you're maybe favored to win two of your next whatever that is seven games, that's it's not necessarily an ideal situation. So, we'll see. I think um, I've heard people say I think the Nashville game will be a big determining factor. Like that will be the turning point date, um, and then a, I believe it'll be two weeks from tomorrow, um, March third. Uh, will be that trade deadline when all those decisions will need to be made. So essentially two weeks for Billy Guerin to decide if he wants to go acquire someone, if he wants to be a broker, if he wants to try to sell off his assets, what little value they have left or whatever he can get. But um, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see what adjustments they make from that perspective, which Iowa guys, if any, get a legitimate chance, um, mm-hmm. and just ultimately if this team can figure it out or not. Right. Well, I think it, it wasn't know. good. Sorry, I'll say no, if it wasn't go time uh, before, it really is now. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, next three games, you're playing the best team in the West. You're playing uh, the Kings, who are a very good team, and a natural team that is Chasing five you. points behind yeah. us with three it's games in hand. In hand. So. I'm not, I mean, I'm not necessarily worried about the teams behind Nashville. They could always conceivably catch us, St. Louis being probably the most likely, but I'm more worried about the teams ahead of us pulling away so if we don't get our shit together it's it's just it's trouble they're gonna make their own decision for garen mm-hmm. yeah they just gotta start you know looking at the schedule probably just you just have to start winning two of these last three games on you know the seven game homestand which has not gone particularly well and then because uh, you know obviously when you get into the tight race like this into the air you can't you know it's hard to even imagine them winning a game right now but you just can't uh, you just gotta take it night by night and you know, like we always say, you just got to win the next game. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like like you've talked about, if they make some uh, call-ups some changes, hopefully that uh, will spark them and win them a few games. But, yeah, no, it's it's going to be a grind uh, for the rest of the year. So it'll be interesting. 
not going to be easy. Uh, we covered a lot, a lot of negativity, but, you know, the way they're playing, there's not a whole lot of great things to talk about. Girl Kaprizov keeps scoring. That's always good to see. Um, Drew Larson-X still Oops. awesome. Birdie and Spurgeon's awesome. Gustafson's great. Everyone else, um, eh, whatever. But <laughs> beyond that, any uh, any final thoughts here before we uh, call it quits on this one? Uh, I think uh, I think we've touched a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, not much, nothing for me. Yeah, uh, I guess the one if you want one more thing, if we wanted to go positive, Scott Wheeler uh, did finish his prospect oh, rankings. Yeah. Minnesota Wild oh, yeah. did elevate to the top spot um, in those rankings, up from I believe was it three last year, four. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. like it was top five for sure. Um, but now number one on that list. Um, and then he also uh, released his top 50 ranked prospects, and I believe four or five wild prospects cracked that list. Four. Plus, yeah, yep. it was Rossi, five. Lambos, Faber. Ugrin. Mm-hmm. Ugrin. And then I believe who's Dinoff might have been an he honorable was, mention. Yeah, he was an honorable mention. And then uh, it was... There was one other honorable mention in there too, I believe. Your oh, was, your your yeah. off was also in the top. Yeah, 50. yeah. So they had five in the top fifty plus who's in Dean off, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jesper Wallstedt topped the list of goaltenders. So future is bright. Uh, we know that, but uh, that's still probably two three years away at a minimum on that. So might just have to be a lot of what we're in right now, which is that uh, good old familiar perennial mediocrity. Um, for this Minnesota Wild team until, you know, some of those rookies maybe start to take that next step, which will in- inevitably happen. You know, Rossi will step up. Hopefully Beckman, they have guys like Walker. You know, there's some really good players in Europe. It's just a matter of when they come over and when they're ready. Um, probably mm-hmm. more sure in two to three years, which to me at this point needs to be where this mindset goes. But I get as a GM, you know, your job next year isn't always secure. Um, and your goal is to win kind of regardless. So it's a tough spot to be in to figure out, Right. How do I keep my job, but also, you know, not sink my team into the future as well. So I'm continue to build on the great, you know, system that they have. So, yeah, that'll do it for us. Uh, Justin, why don't you remind everyone uh, where they can find you and all your work here? Uh, you can find me at DE2004. You can find me at CapriceFC at the CapriceF Countdown, which is not as active as it used to be. But anyways, uh, and you can find me at MNW Prospect. MNW prospects with MNW on guns. Zeke. Yeah, as usual, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, capital Z, capital B. If you want to connect with me, uh, that's where you find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram. If you have not checked it out already, we did a really fun mid-season risers and fallers edition of our prospect rankings with the Soda Pod. Um, It'll be the previous show in our feed. I did it about two weeks ago if you're looking back in your podcast feed. Really fun episode. I think when it was all said and done, we went pretty in-depth on over 10 guys um, including some of those big risers, your Kyle Masters, your Caden Bankiers, um, David Spotcheks, those types, as well as some people who have maybe just haven't taken that next step yet and as a result had to fall. But lots of good stuff in there. So if you haven't listened to that yet, highly, highly recommend checking that out. Be sure you're checking out the other podcasts in the network, Locked On uh, with Seth Topol, the Soda Pod itself. Uh, all good stuff there. The Bardown Buttes, all the other podcasts in the network. I think Russo will have a fun one. Uh, I think that's being recorded tonight live. That I'm sure we'll be dropping right about the same time this one does. Uh, so take in all your wild content. Continue to support your creators. 
but that'll do it for us. The Wild, Dallas tomorrow, Nashville on Sunday, LA on Tuesday. We will aim to be back with you Wednesday night, Thursday morning show um, before they go on a brief road trip to Columbus and Toronto. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.